everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I'm your co-host this evening, one-third of your ghostly trio, Kevin slash Bucky here with, first off, Roy. Yo, what's up? Welcome back, brother. Uh, we're we're, uh, we're hitting the ground running with, with you as a new co-host. How are you feeling about it so far? I am loving it so far, man. Let's just keep it rolling. Awesome. Well, we're back to a ghostly trio, as I said, because... Uh, Who's this other guy that we got in here? Oh, that's right. You know him. You love him. The motherfucking diamonds back in the house. Jason. Woo. It's motherfucking diamond back from hiatus. Uh, Jason, we have missed you. I have missed you. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Two things. First of all, why does that bitch get introduced first? And <laughs> second of all. Because I was building up to your return, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take Ladies that Ladies first, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll take that answer. That's a good one. Um, what was the other thing? Are, are, are you ready, Bucky? I am ready. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready? Are you ready to see the world through diamond eyes? Oh, yes, I dropped a shine down mine. <laughs> boom lay, boom lay, boom, boom lay. Yeah. Eric Bass, good friend. Oh, name dropping off the bat. I'm Potential guest on the podcast right, anyway. one of these days? Oh, yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Well, uh, it's the trio now. Uh, Jason, we've added Roy. Um, he went through his initiation. and uh, Still he's, recovering. He's one of us now. This I heard. This I heard. I felt he <laughs> might be. I heard he might be a little looser after that initiation. <laughs> Yeah, walking a little funny for a couple of days, but we're we're back to normal now. I was hoping, That's all right. As long hoping, as you recovered. I was hoping Jason was going to take it that way. <laughs> Didn't we uh, all? Yep. Uh, but how will we take the movie this week? Uh, Jason, we had to do it up real nice uh, for your big return, right? So I appreciate it. So we had to pick something that we hadn't discussed yet that's a big movie. And we kicked around this one for a little while. And when I threw this out after spoiler alert having just seen this for the first time last week you could not say yes fast enough because we're talking about silence of the lambs or the silence of the lambs yes yes um and it's funny because i just finished watching true detective with uh jody foster as well so i was gonna ask um, you about that yeah. you made a you made a post in the facebook group about that how are you liking that so far yeah i liked it man i felt like uh there there are some there's some holes in there but overall it was a good outing for true detective and had some nice kind of supernatural spin on it so kind of a the, little bit of a was that the end of the season a little bit of a yeah yeah it, it was only six episodes oh okay how to stack um, up to the first season well nothing's gonna stack up to the first season <laughs> but, very true <laughs> um but i will say probably other than the first season it's been my favorite thus far so sweet well, cool. Well, we are going to talk about some Jodie Foster tonight, uh, but let's start the way we always do when we start with any movie. Uh, backstory. And so I guess I'll start because mine's probably the most boring. Um, I, like I just said, had not seen this until last week, all the way through. Um, this, this was a movie that is really good but was actually one of the like only movies to disturb me when it whenever it was on uh so i was never able to finish it um up until now watching it it's not as bad as i had built it up in my head because like when i saw it when i was like 15 or 16 i was like oh this is uh this is almost too real um and it is but you know now you know being 31 uh i'm glad to finally 
see it. And I'm I'm glad I watched it in its entirety as an adult because I probably wouldn't be able to appreciate it as much as a 15 or 16 year old with my tastes in horror at, being what they were at the time. So uh, yeah, but first time watch for me all the way through. Uh, Jason, what's your backstory with Silence of the Lambs? You see this when it came out? Well, no, <laughs> maybe no, not. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um... <laughs> when, were you, when were you born again, Jason? 81? Uh, I was born in 84. 84. Okay. Yeah, come on. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I was going to say, I remember, because uh, this is another one of those movies that I talked to you about until I was blue in the face. I was like, dude, yep. watch it. It's just one of those classics that everybody has to see. Um, and I remember you you were like, I'm, I'm actually afraid to watch this one. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, dude, just watch it. It's great. <laughs> uh, so what, um, how, old, how, old you, how old were you when you saw this? You know, I honestly couldn't tell you like the first time I saw the first time I saw it. I mean, it was it was one of those things. I mean, it was so big and like, you know, of course, everybody quotes, you know, certain parts of it, like the Hey Clarys and stuff like that. So I was always kind of aware of the movie. Um, but I will say probably about 10 years ago, maybe I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. And going back and watching it like, you know, as an adult and being able to fully appreciate it um watching it again was a lot of fun and it's still a classic for a reason mm -hmm. and i still i still even if it's just on like tv as i'm flipping through channels i'm like yeah i'll do this <laughs> and so, did you did you have to do a, did you have to do a rewatch for this or was this one just one of the ones that you know from front to back pretty well no like i've, I've seen it so much and and i actually just watched it not that long ago like maybe a couple weeks ago um, oh, okay. But yeah, I I mean I just know it front to back anyway. But sure. But yeah. Cool. Uh, Roy, what about you, man? When did you uh, when did you first see this one? I first saw this one probably at least like twenty five years ago. I remember watching it with my mom and sister on TV, which is weird because my mom would never let me watch the scary stuff. Um, <laughs> so this might as well have been my first time because, I mean, obviously I've seen like the major clips and everything about it, but. I just hadn't seen it in so long. Um, it was cool to actually see it as an adult and um, really dive into it, especially more of like the crime thriller elements to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's let's just uh, jump on in. I mean, this is like top tier when people list out like psychological horror movies as well as, uh, you know, more like the crime side of things, but important question for you guys, because I've heard this debated very often uh, and I don't know how to feel about it. Would you consider this a full on horror movie? Cause there's always a debate about that. I mean, I would say, yeah. Um, I can see where people would kind of lean it more towards kind of a thriller. Cause I mean, there's, it's not like a whole bunch of hack and slash blood and guts. Um, I mean, there is some of it, but it's not like it's all throughout the movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's much more psychological and it leans more into just kind of a lot of like heavy tension and just like kind of thriller elements. But I mean, I consider it a horror movie personally. Yeah. And I think that's a big, uh, debate and Jason, you might be able to vouch for this. Uh, cause when this movie came out, it won, you know, it was up for like Academy Awards and shit. And, yeah. you know, people were like, holy shit, a horror movie at the Academy Awards. And then people go, nah, this isn't a horror movie. This is a thriller. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I would consider it a horror movie, 
but because it was so well made, it's kind of like the Oscars didn't know what to do with it. Like, kind of like you said, it's like we don't really have like a horror category to like mm-hmm. put it in. Um, but I mean, just the movie well written and shot, and the acting's amazing. Uh, I mean, they couldn't ignore it. It's kind of like it's kind of like when they couldn't ignore uh, the Dark Knight. And the <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. Oh, we gotta give like, this superhero like, movie the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, they were like, this movie was so badass, and you know, so many people and so many aspects of the movie deserve, you know, an Oscar. But like, we can't give it to the superhero movie. What the fuck do we do? <laughs> Funny how times have changed. Now the Dark Knight's in the National <laughs> Library of Congress. Because <laughs> it's the shit. Yep. It is good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would also consider this a horror movie. I think it has the bone structure of a horror movie. They just go about it in a different way. Um, where the villains are not on screen all the time. Um, Roy, what do you what do you say to that whole debate? I'll be the contrarian here. Uh, to me, it seemed more like a psychological crime thriller, like in the vein of Spiral or Seven, with a lot of horror overtones to it. Like, I can see the argument for this being a straight-up horror movie, but from where I was standing and when I was watching it, it just felt more like a psychological thriller. Um, you know, a lot of proce- police procedural elements with the FBI and everything. Um, almost like they're hunting the killer instead of being hunted by him, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Another movie that uh, Jason, you and I talked about really early on the show that we had a similar discussion about was The Crow, you know, being yeah. like almost like a, a dark superhero movie, but it gets lumped in with horror, I guess, because of the imagery. Um, but yeah, I think if you're a movie that has like the bare bones of a horror movie, then like people in the horror community will rally around it and appreciate it. Um, but re- re- in reality, probably the movie that, uh, where they finally were like, oh, okay, we got to give the horror, like a full on horror movie, a, um, <laughs> an Academy Award was Get Out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, cause then they didn't have the thriller argument to go off of anymore. Cause it's like, no, that's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just well, and. To- Roy actually kind of took the words out of my mouth. I was going to actually mention Seven as well, um, because mm. Seven's one of those that, I mean, yeah, is, is it a psychological thriller? I mean, it's not really a horror movie, but it kind of is. Um, I guess just because something has like disturbing imagery and got some blood and guts and it doesn't really make it a horror movie. But but yeah, I was going to kind of make that same comparison with like Seven. It's kind of hard to decide where to put that one as well. Yeah, it's also kind of like um, maybe you could also throw Zodiac in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that might. And that, you know, I love that movie. <laughs> yep. And if we're doing Silence of the Lambs, and that absolutely means that um, that Zodiac is up for grabs as a pick for the show. Um, so we'll get we'll get to that one. Yeah, you know, I'd love to do that one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I wanted to throw that out there because I know that's a heavily debated topic. It's almost like. Some people that don't like horror don't want to admit that they like horror when they watch Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, then the people that like horror see this and then go, yeah, it's a horror movie. So it's kind of a gray, interesting line there. Um, but let's talk about Silence of the Lambs. So I think everybody knows the plot, so we won't go through, you know, everything. But right off the bat, 
watching this last week was when I realized I had never seen this all the way through because I had never seen the training <laughs> montage with uh, <laughs> with Clarice at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great opening with the the haunting credits and, and Jodie Foster running through the obstacle course. And then uh, just, I mean, Jason, you probably watched this the most recent aside from me, but you also know the movie better. It's, I mean, what is it? It's like under five minutes by the time they're saying, hey, we need you to go talk to Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's it pretty much right out the gate. I mean, they um, <clears throat> they definitely, especially, you know, like you said, with the opening credits are establishing that she's she's not like a full on seasoned FBI agent um, that she's still kind of in training and maybe isn't ready for something as heavy as that. So they definitely put that out there. But, yeah, it's it's like very early. I mean, they don't they don't waste time like pulling her in and saying, hey, this is what we need. Yeah, but of course, at, at the time she doesn't realize that she's kind of being played, <laughs> so she takes yeah. it anyway. Well, she takes she takes the job, and like I guess the implication is that they want to give her the job because, like, because she's not as seasoned, they think Lecter will talk to her more. Yeah, exactly. Like because he's he Lecter's so smart that if they send somebody in there that's going to go kind of by FBI procedure or play mental games with him, it's not going to work. Like he's going to see right through it. So they figure by sending her in there, they are kind of an excuse the phrase sending the lamb to slaughter. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, that's essentially what they're doing because she knows that, or they know that she's not going to try to not going to be really able to do that psycho babble bullshit with him Mm -hmm. um, that he'll see right through. And how interesting was it too that they used the serial killer to find a serial killer? Like, I don't think that's was done much before, and we haven't really seen it done much since. And I feel like it would just feel like a ripoff almost now. Yeah, it's probably been done, but probably every movie that ever does that gets compared to to Silence of the Lambs. Right, and if you get compared <laughs> to that, it's like, nah. yeah, you're you're set up for <laughs> failure in a lot of people's eyes when they do that. Right, you um, just watch it and think it's no Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, because right off the bat, we go into this prison, which just feels, again, straight out of a horror movie. And there is so much verbal buildup to Lecter that, like, if this is your first time watching it, you're like, oh, God, this guy is like the worst of the worst. And then they cut to him and it's just this uh, lovely English gentleman just like standing there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a crusty old English dude straight out of a fucking... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> straight out of a yeah, tea party I, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> straight like, out of a tea party yeah they like they show the other criminals like in their in their cells and they're all mm. crazy and then this guy's just cool as a cucumber yeah. just cool as a cucumber just standing in his cell to me that I, added to it because she's walking in there and all the inmates are yelling stuff at her and everything and then just cuts to a shot of him standing there smiling looking at her you're like you know what? I'd rather have the inmate saying shit to me than this guy just like staring a hole in me. Yeah, their their verbal sparring is amazing. Uh, you know, legendary scenes in the movie. I love when he asks to see her credentials and she holds it out and then he's like, closer, closer. And then he comes out of the shadows and just takes a look real quick. And he just instantly like knowing that she's one of Crawford's men is just he just knows everything about her. Yeah, I mean he's he's got her, he's got her number before she even walked through the door, basically. 
pretty much. And like probably my favorite Hannibal Lecter moment um, is this first interaction between them because Clarice is like, you know, she's getting him to talk and he's being nice. And then she asks him if he'll fill out the the survey or the questionnaire. And he goes, oh, no, no, you were doing so well. You were you were kind. You were courteous. You were receptive to, uh, you know, my my comments. You were open about what happened with Migs next door. And he just instantly is just like, nope, I got you. Yeah, it's yep. it's interesting how he uses his knowledge of psychology to just mess with her and other people the entire movie, how he mm -hmm. almost flips it on its head like most psychiatrists, well, probably all of them, <laughs> get their degree to help people, and he uses it more to play mind games and uses that knowledge against them. Yeah, but she's also, like, kind of early on, like, trying to fight back in ways that she can. She's like, well, I'm not saying you have to fill it out. I'm just asking you to, and you either you either will or you, or you won't. Right, because she was in the psychological division of the FBI, so it only makes sense they would be from a similar background and it plays mm -hmm. off well in their verbal sparring right um so yeah the the introduction the introduction of of hannibal lecter is <clears throat> just legendary um later on they really make him scary because obviously there's the terrible terrible scene where Miggs, the inmate next door you know had jerked off and then threw his semen so in her face Supposed to yogurt slinging. <laughs> yogurt slinging. Um, and then that's what sets Hannibal Lecter off about that whole thing. And he's like, okay, here's a clue of yours. Or like, here's a, your first clue to finding the villain of the story, Buffalo Bill. Um, but then they say later that uh, <clears throat> that Hannibal Lecter got Migs to swallow his tongue. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, God, man, he can do that to you with well, just with just words. Well, yeah, and that so that's cool. Like one of the, one of the things that I love about this movie is that the inclusion of Hannibal Lecter to find the serial killer. This is basically two different movies happening, um, mm -hmm. or 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 basically two different stories. It's the story of the struggle between Hannibal and Clarice. They're they're kind of back and forth and like what Hannibal's trying to do to manipulate his situation. And then you have everything outside of that, which is Clary's hunting down, um, you know, Buffalo Bill. So it's like these two completely different storylines that are like interwoven. So it's like kind of two movies playing with each other or interweaving between each other, which is awesome. Um, right. And it, it, what you're saying with Miggs, like uh, Hannibal getting him, you know, to eat his tongue or whatever, uh, when when Clarice walks up and and he says uh you know he says to her you know I can I can smell your cunt when she's walking through excuse the c word people but that's what he says um <laughs> um <clears throat> but uh you know Hannibal because he's so much more sophisticated and he wants to key that to Starling he's like well I you know compared to Mr. Miggs cannot cannot say he can't smell her like just showing that he's more refined he's not fucking crazy yeah, um and, and then off her perfumes and like her conditioners and shit right and then and then that's like a, a sign to clarice like almost like his twisted way of being like hey we're friends 
because yeah. you know dude insulted you and i made him eat his fucking tongue yeah uh, yep. so, which so yeah so i guess it's crazy uh and correct me well i don't know if any of us have read the the books like red dragon or or the book silence of the lambs are they romantically involved like in the books clarice and hannibal uh, to be honest that i do not know okay because i, I thought have not I heard read that the books. On an, i thought i heard that on another podcast i was like really hmm. that seems that seems a little joker harley quinn thing that she would suddenly be like i'm in love with you i can see it yeah <clears throat> that'd be kind of a cool twist well I feel it, like yeah that, i feel like that might be the movie we get with uh joker folia do this year it, oh yeah it is might. that coming out this year i think yeah, so yeah, yeah. nice but um, I'm, I'm interested to see what it is. Like they're saying it's a musical, so I'm confused. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we got to talk about. Like I said, everybody kind of knows uh, this plot. Hannibal Lecter <laughs> starts to. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter sends uh, Clarice to her first clue, which is basically the severed head of a man killed by Buffalo Bill, um, or connected. And what is it? Buffalo Bill killed the. Well, we can. We won't get into the weeds on that. Roy, you have a little bit of background noise uh, coming up now. Oh, sorry. How's that? Better. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yep, you sound good. Um, all good. Um, but yeah, so we could we could get into the weeds about all the 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 random clues that uh, that Hannibal gives. Basically, he's not going to give her Buffalo Bill without getting what he wants first. So he's going to misdirect her. He's going to give her one clue at a time. Um, but we got to talk about the other villain of the movie which was mostly the reason why this movie was hard and scary for me to watch which is ted levine as buffalo bill yep oh yeah this guy is terrifying his intro scene where he's pretending to be a cripple uh or pretending that he's got a hurt arm or whatever and then you know, he jumps her into the back of the van. Yep. Abducts the senator's daughter. Uh, the I don't know if it's the musical cue or if it's just his voice because you hear him like punch her and knock her out. Oh God. Yeah. Anytime he's on screen, he is terrifying. I think, I think his voice does have a lot to do with it. Uh, that being in general, just kind of, he has a really odd voice and, uh, Levine, I can always <laughs> recognize his voice. Like uh, for the longest time, I had seen uh, the movie Heat like fifty million times and <laughs> didn't realize he was in it. But I was just watching it one day and I heard his voice and I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like he, well, he's one of the detectives and he. But um, well, remind yeah, me, his voice is is part of the character, right? Well, remind me, Roy, because he's in the remake, the first remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Did Ted he Levine talk? Is. Yeah, he was the dad. Oh no way! The one that, the uh, one that got, yeah, the one that got <laughs> yeah. set on fire. Does he talk like that in Silence of the Lambs, or did he ditch it for that? No, I think he just talks like a norm, normal, like Texas tough guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, what was he? Big Bill in that one, or Big, yeah. Big Bob? Big Bob. Yeah, he was the one that got burned <laughs> up by the mutants. Yeah, I Crazy, do remember right? you telling me that when we did that episode. I'm like, oh, that was Buffalo Bill. Okay, I think on the recording. Yeah. On, on the recording, Jason, I was like, who the fuck is Ted Levine? And then I looked it up because I knew his name. And then I was like, oh, shit, it's Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah, like um, 
well, like I was saying, like, um, there's he's in so many movies, and it's like when you're not paying attention, there's so many movies that'll come on that are movies that I've seen over and over, and then just all of a sudden, like, that cadence to his voice, I don't know what it is, but I'll just hear his voice, and I'm like, oh shit, there he is. Well, he didn't almost, know he was in this. He almost changes it throughout the movie. Like he sounds different when he's talking to the senator's daughter than when he's talking to Clarice when she comes to the door at the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> we can't of, we we can't talk about the movie. I... We can't talk about the movie without talking about the the lotion scene. You know, it's like one of the most famous parts of the movie. Um. And obviously the line, it rubs the lotion on its skin is disturbing as shit because it's dehumanizing his victims. But honestly, what I never picked up on until I was older was his like screaming that he does and his fake crying when she realizes that there's fingernails in the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Him trying to like mimic her because he's in the process of trying to become a woman. You realize that he's not like crying for real he's crying to try to like imitate a woman's voice Ooh, i always kind of hmm at least that's, that's how i saw way. it uh, yeah that's a different way to look at it which i can i can definitely see where you would draw that from i always kind of took it as like you know he's just like mocking her like just you know what i'm saying like well, th- well i think the reason i say that is because he like when she's screaming he like stares at her and then slowly builds up to the scream like the first time he does it it's like uh and then he gets real dramatic about it when he sees what she's doing yeah um, and that's an interesting take and i think maybe it's both but yeah i had really never thought of it that way and yeah that's yeah i like it <laughs> yeah that's a good take i see i saw it a third way i thought he was actually getting upset because she wasn't doing what he said so there, i guess there's a lot of different ways you can view that scene yeah, because he does show the cracks a little bit, you know, because yeah. his his lip is quivering beforehand. And you're like, is he actually like feeling bad? Because then he says, put the fucking lotion in the basket. Um, well, and e- either way you look at it, all three ways or however you see it, it's creepy as shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you I what mean, else all, was. All three versions are still just fucking creepy. I'll tell you what else was creepy about this movie. And this was another scene I had never seen. When they find one of his previous victims the one uh, one of the women that he skinned and they're doing the autopsy scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that scene uh I had never seen it before and that was disturbing as shit when they pull the moth cocoon out of her throat. Oh yeah, I was thinking the head in the jar too. Mhm. Yeah, which the I, head in the jar is crazy. Which I found out through a film critic that I like that apparently the cocoon that they put down her throat, they actually did put it back in her throat and she had to hold it there and they could only shoot for like a few seconds to get the shot. Oh, that um, is terrible. But it was a Tootsie Roll with M&M's. Well, that's not so terrible. But they had to put it like in her throat way to be able to get the shot. And they could only film it for a few seconds. And then they cut. They must have gotten somebody like some kind of, you know, there's like those people that like swallow swords and shit like that. So I'm sure they probably got whatever actress it was like that just had that ability. But yeah, that scene, <laughs> the autopsy scene is so long. And then... uh Obviously, Hannibal Lecter, you know, is popping back up and he's giving like there was something about the scene where she comes back to get information from him and his cell lights are off. Yeah, I was going to mention that because um, I, I couldn't remember if that was at the very beginning or he did it later. He did it later when she when she came back. 
Yeah, because there's one where he's just like in the very back of the cell, like hiding out in shadows. You can't even see him. And mm-hmm. then he just like steps out and that shit's creepy as fuck. You're like, oh, <laughs> it is, man. Dude, Anthony Hopkins is so freaking good as Hannibal Lecter. Like this guy is a creepy motherfucker. You know what that just made me realize is you had two classic iconic villains or killers in one movie. You know, Buffalo Bills basically become like a pop culture meme icon whatever he's in he's referenced in so much stuff but at the same time you have hannibal lecter too who is just this timeless character and they both come from one movie it's weird to think about it like that so can i reference and everybody quotes both of them can i reference one of my favorite buffalo bill references in a movie because it's probably not what people would expect (laughs) i hope you're going where i think you're going joe dirt Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the guy yeah. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer or yeah. Yeah, and David Spade gets thrown in the pit <laughs> okay <he> d- okay <laughs> put the lotion on his skin he, he, is he does the it rubs the lotion on his skin but then he goes you know you have no idea the kind of hell I can bring you <laughs> I love Joe Dirt what was the one you were going to go with Jason uh, well I was well there there was two things actually um so one of the one of the favorite lines that Buffalo Bill says, and it gets me every fucking time, is uh, when Clarice comes to the door. Oh and yep. she's talking to him, and, she, and he she's like she's like, did you know you know Miss Moffat or whoever that used to live here or uh, whatever the lady's and he's like, was she a great big old fat person? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why, but that shit cracks me up. It's like, such every an time. awful line, know, but it, like, the way he delivers it is kind of funny. I, yeah, I don't know that. I don't think that it's supposed to be funny. But no, I don't think reason, so at all. But he changes it, it, his he changes his inflection. Like he delivers it differently than the way he was talking in the basement. Um. Now, Jason, yeah. do you find humor or horror in the goodbye horses scene? Oh, well, um, <laughs> this this is a problem with this movie. God, there's so many fucking references. Um, I was going to say my other my other favorite reference. You said Joe Dirt. Um, I, I was going to say Cable Guy, um, <laughs> which debate like everybody debates me, but I still think it's Jim Carrey's best movie. Um but uh, yeah, they're at uh, they're at medieval times, and he peels the skin off of the roasted chicken. He's got it all over his face, and he's like, "Silence of the lambs." Um, oh God! But uh, oh no! So the so the goodbye horses scene. Um, God, it's such a <laughs> it's such a creepy scene, and it's seeing it before I saw something else. <laughs> I did not think it was funny. Okay. I, I, I definitely found it very creepy, and it and it is. Well, they definitely um, play some humor into uh, into this scene because it start before we see the tucking, we've got his yeah. great lines of just his lips and his nipples being like, "Oh would yeah, you, <laughs> would you fuck me? I'd, I'd fuck, fuck me." <laughs> well, and so <laughs> it was creepy until Kevin Smith ruined it for me. Oh God, fucking Jason Mewes has got to do it in Clerks too. <laughs> Walks up to the camera with his chapstick. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. And then goes full tuck, just like Buffalo Bill. Oh, God. So, um, so yeah, now, thanks to fucking Kevin Smith, I can't see it without laughing. But probably before that, yeah, definitely I remember it. I feel it like Kevin Smith has probably done that for you for a lot of things. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he, 
it's almost like he makes them better and worse at the same time. Well, you'll never it's look like... at walruses the same after Tusk. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody will. <laughs> um, uh, Roy, but, uh, did, Roy, did you listen to Meet and Greet by Ice Nine Kills, by the way, before the episode? Oh, I totally forgot to. Dude, the breakdown line when mm-hmm. the first the big breakdown hits after the second chorus, Spencer literally says, I'd fuck me. And it's the breakdown line. <laughs> and he also Oh my God. <laughs> I'd fuck me. He also he also they do another breakdown and the line is uh uh put the lotion in the basket, wave goodbye, and close the casket. And then it does the breakdown line, but then Spencer, I don't know if it'll pick it up, but Spencer does the no. <laughs> like in the middle of the breakdown from Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> See, that's another one. I ate her liver with some fava beans, and then oh, how did we how did we skip over that? I had to look up what a Chianti was, by the way. Oh yeah, it's a it's a drink. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought he was saying like chai tea or something like that. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's. I was like, oh, it's a wine. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I can't remember if it's a wine or a brandy, but I knew it was one of those. But yeah. Well, another thing that I didn't pick up on or get right in the movie is up until this watch, because I didn't see it all the way through, I never knew why this movie was called Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that the other night. Yeah, when Clarice... I never knew why either. Yeah, when Clarice has her final um, meeting with Hannibal, um, and he finally gets her to say why she's doing what she's doing and trying to save this woman, uh, she talks about, you know, the growing up on a farm and the lambs being slaughtered in the middle of the night. Um, and she hopes yeah. that uh, if she saves the Senator's daughter, then the, the nightmares of the screaming lambs will stop. Yeah. And then never wouldn't have noticed this until a podcast pointed it out to me right after that Hannibal orders a second dinner to have his escape. What does he order? Lamb, lamb, lamb. Yeah. <laughs> you know so what I thought was weird dark. about this part was, I didn't I didn't realize where they were keeping him. I thought they were keeping him in like a museum. So I had to look up why they were keeping him in this weird place instead of a jail or a prison. And I found that in the novel it explains it better that they were keeping him at the top of this old courthouse that I guess had been turned into a historical society because when it was built in like the sixteen or seventeen hundreds or whatever, it was like modeled after a an old fort so it would be difficult for him to get out it was the most secure place in the area and i just thought it was weird that they're keeping him in this strange place instead of like a jail yeah um yeah you know honestly i like i i kind of thought about it but i didn't really think about it like i just i thought they obviously used the room and put him in the middle like in a circular cell basically so like there was there was no way of him escaping without being seen um but yeah like they... when you look in yeah when you look in the background it's like a you're right it does look kind of like a museum or like some kind of art gallery or some shit well he does make an art piece when he uh attacks the guards and then pins one of them up like a moth this is true sure does <laughs> uh this I know, is true i know they didn't show a lot of gore but man do i cringe every time he bites that guard's face Oh yeah, because it's, it's uh i mean he he doesn't just bite it he's like a fucking bulldog man yeah, like he that... fucking like latches on and like starts <laughs> ripping at it like well I think like it's a that... fucking dog shaking a toy Jesus oh I think it's that close up shot of his open mouth with his hands like this you know going to grip the guy's yeah. face and then coming at him it's like ugh um, and I love too how it's accentuated by that classical piano music 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that classical that classical music when he picks up the the billy club and just goes to because it doesn't really like show him beating the guard's face and like it doesn't like graphically show it, but just like showing him like making the swings and the blood splattering like across his face and shit. You're like, oh fuck, man. Yep. Like yeah. it's pretty uh <laughs> it's pretty effective. <laughs> his, yeah, his escape scene is uh is gnarly. Um, credit to, uh, credit where credit's due, that corpse, I knew it wasn't him, the corpse that's on the elevator where they see the blood, and they're like, oh, he went up the elevator shaft. I knew it wasn't him, but it actually, like, from a certain angle, does look like Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, it does a little bit. Uh, and we get the great, um, twist where the body with gunk all over it was that's in the ambulance is Anthony Hopkins, which felt very saw to me. I know this came first, but that felt very saw to me where, um, uh tobin bell pulls the gore off his face because it looks like he blew his head off in the first saw and then he rips the fake gore off and then locks out oh, yeah. in the room uh, that yeah, surprised you guys because i wasn't expecting hannibal to be the dying cop no me neither that got me yeah that was a brilliant plan mm-hmm. so his, his face off his... and escape yeah <laughs> yeah so it's a great escape and and it also um uh goes to show a little bit of the brutality that basically like he fucked him up so bad <laughs> that he's like literally just wearing wearing a torn off face yep and they don't they don't blink at it they're like man he fucked him up and they just take him away <laughs> like yeah now another thing as we as we bring it on home was uh when you guys first watched this did you get fooled by the uh the two different doorbells that were being rung when the FBI found out who Buffalo Bill was did you get fooled thinking that they were? At oh his yeah, I didn't. I saw it coming. I don't know how, but I I could I just could feel that the FBI was going to one place and Clarice was going to Buffalo Bill's house. Like I don't know, it was just a gut feeling. Yeah. So she shows up, and again, having never seen the movie, watching, but I've seen this clip though where she confronts Buffalo Bill and realizes that it's him. I could never figure out why or how she figured out that it was him. Because all I mm-hmm. saw was he was chuckling, so I just assume, oh, he's acting weird, so she knows. But they showed it earlier that this moth breed is like you can't find them in America. So whoever's doing this has access to very rare moths. Yeah, I think um, it said they came from Southeast Asia or something. Mm-hmm. So then the moth well, lands on his on his table, and that's how she knows it's him. Yeah, well, and they, they also... Um make the comment that uh wherever the moths came from or whoever was raising them like was taking really good care of them like mm-hmm. basically like treating them i i think they even make a an allusion to like being the keepers like children or saying something like uh they're very well taken care of or or even loved i think that that's what they say like you know somebody showed a lot of love to these things so yeah um yeah, they were very specific to him. Well, we do get a creepy scene of uh, of she figures it out and then asks if she can use his phone, and he starts, you know, sure you can use my phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we get the iconic final battle, which is also just completely terrifying. Buffalo Bill turns out all the lights, and yeah, we have, we have night, the night vision, night vision goggle. Um, and she is able to figure out only. Only because he cocks his gun is she able to figure it out and gets a few yeah, shots off on him. Yeah, she's stumbling around in the dark, man. She can't see shit. Didn't you bring her what? flashlight. 
There was some there was some good foreshadowing to that too, because if I remember, they were at a firing range at one point, and she's just like annihilating the target with her gun, so it showed that she was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought so, of that. But yeah, one of the best climaxes ever is this final battle between Buffalo Bill and and uh because he feels so dangerous with him being able to see in the dark and just kind of toying with her. And you're like, is he going to grab her hair? Is he going to touch her? And then because he cocks his gun, she turns around and gets the shot off. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Blows him away. I was going to say, yeah, because there's even, you know, like as he's kind of like following her around, <laughs> you know, she's in complete dark, can't see anything. Yeah, there's those shots of him like reaching out where you think he's going to like touch her arm or grab her or something like that. But he's just like, he's just having fun fucking around with her. Mm-hmm. But uh, she gets him down. Uh, they rescue the senator's daughter. I did have a question, and I actually Googled to see if anybody paid attention. Uh, I was like, is she going to keep the dog, Precious? Because she walks away with it. <laughs> she does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Souvenir. Maybe she found her, yeah, found her a new pet. I mean, I felt oh, bad for the dog because she pulls it down into the pit and it hurts its leg. Well, somebody's uh, got to take care of Precious, man. Come on. I, I hope she kept Precious. Precious didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, Precious was just sitting there being cute. And then it we get an the... accomplice, though. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the final ending. Clarice uh, graduates, and then she's going to have one final phone call with Hannibal Lecter, and we get the great line, I'm having an old friend for dinner, when he sees uh, Chilton, the doctor that he didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great ending. And if they never made another movie, uh, I would be perfectly okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that as in I'm dissing the other movies. I'm just saying, like, if this is where it ended, where Hannibal Lecter's just out there now, it would be so great. Yeah, it was a solid ending. It wasn't a cliffhanger. It was more just open-ended that, mm -hmm. hey, Hannibal's on the loose now. Good luck, now, everyone. Don't get now, important important question. Have either of you seen Hannibal, the sequel? Oh, I know, yeah. Love I know Jason, you were really into the show, but oh, you like the movie too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love the movie. Um, well, and the, the thing about that ending is, I mean, you know, it was far enough between, you know, Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. I mean, it was what, probably fucking 20 years, something like that? I don't uh, know. 10 um, years. It was 2001. Was that it? It was only 10 years? Mm hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Well, and then in 07, and in 07 they did uh, Hannibal Rising. Right, but um, but yeah. So I mean, it was a perfect ending left the way that it was left. Um, but yes, I I do actually really like Hannibal. Um, one of Gary Oldman, who is my favorite, and I think he's probably everyone's favorite. Um, but Gary Oldman's uh, really good in Hannibal. Um, and you can't even recognize him, uh, <laughs> but he does an awesome job. Uh, and then but, they got uh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen to play him for Hannibal the Show. Yep. Uh, um, well, and then they had Red Dragon too with Ed Norton, and Red Dragon's really good. Uh, Ed Norton and Ralph Fiennes, really good one as well. Yeah, and uh, Mr. J um, actually informed, like, educated me that I did not know that this was not the first portrayal of Hannibal Lecter on screen. Really? Oh, I know, I know this, but go ahead and say it. <laughs> the movie Manhunter from the '80s had Brian Cox yes. playing Hannibal Lecter first. Wow. Yep. Now, is that like tied to the book series or something? 
kind of, I think. I think they just adapted it into film, but called it something else. But Hannibal's in like that same universe as that movie? Kind of, I think. I'd have to look more <laughs> into it. but uh, Something like that, right? But yeah, no, no, that was the first iteration of Hannibal Lecter. But obviously, this is the more famous one that everybody remembers. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the full story behind behind that movie and everything. But yeah, I did. Uh, I did know that little fun fact. Yeah, but, but I forgot is, what the movie was. <clears throat> right. But this is the one everybody remembers, and for fucking good reason, because it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a classic for a reason, man. I mean, again, with it riding that line you know, between what it is, whether it's thriller or horror, I mean, it's just such an awesome movie that even if somebody's not a horror fan, I mean, it's it's a fucking great movie, dude. Not a bad place to start, though, if you're looking to get into horror. Like, this is a little more, I don't want to say tame, because it's pretty dark, but, like, it's a little more accessible if you're not into horror in the way that you might think horror. Yeah, it yeah, might be a nice little baby step for you. And especially with true crime being as big as it is now, you know, this is like a fictional true crime tale almost. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's our discussion on Silence of the Lambs. We will be doing another episode that we're going to jump over to now that is firmly a horror movie and another classic for sure. But Jason, good to have you back, brother. Roy, glad you're uh, trucking along, as I always say on this show. And uh, we're excited <laughs> to have you on board. And uh, Jason, you ready to talk about uh, what I think is one of your top five Maybe top three favorite horror movies of all time? Oh, easily, easily top five, yeah. Cool, and we got a guest for it too, so look out for that. It'll probably come out the same day. But that's it for the Midnight Terrors podcast. You can get in touch with us on socials under Midnight Terrors podcast. You can shoot us an email at midnightterrorspodcast at gmail.com. Check out our T Public store for merch and join our Facebook group, Midnight Terrors podcast. And uh, Jason, do your shtick, man. What's the show called? It's called the Midnight Terrors Podcast. That it is. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you again next time. Peace. Peace.